Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Johnny Firecracker. And today we're going to be talking about games we've been playing lately. Then we're going to be doing a review of Pipeline, followed by a showdown between Champions of Midgard and Raiders of the North Sea. So thanks for joining us for episode number 18. Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean with his left arm in a cast and a tear coming down his right eye. A little bit. That's Why actually is that? very accurate. So I was walking down the road and saw this grizzly bear trying to steal money from an old lady, and I just wasn't going to have it. And so I punched that grizzly False. bear. No, I had a minor surgery. <laughs> I just Dwight shrewded you. The truth, uh, the truth is I probably did have some tears coming down my cheek. I know you did. You yeah. cry all the Dean cries all the time. <laughs> Sometimes whenever I, uh, you know, I make a great, um, I don't know, just statement during a review or something, it brings a tear to his eye, and I know I touched him in that moment. I am very emotionally detached, actually. I, I don't cry over very many things at all. Really? Except pain in my left arm, apparently. I cry. Okay, I'm not judging you for crying, I'm just... I am not going to listen to the Meeple Town podcast anymore. I'm offended that you don't like people who cry. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you you crying right now? I mean, you know, I just, you know, you know why I'm called Johnny is pretty obvious, I'm going to guess. But you know why I'm called Johnny Firecracker? I'm guessing because the 4th of July celebrations that are coming out. Heck yeah. How do you, what do you think about firecrackers, man? Fireworks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I like fireworks. Yeah, they're fine. We're actually going to. You didn't sound too excited about that. I don't get as excited as a lot of people, I think. Some people get just crazy over fireworks. I'm not that guy. I think they're cool. I'm going to a fireworks show tonight, actually. Um, we're going to celebrate a little bit early. What today? What, what today? Yeah. Uh-oh, I'm turning into Dean for this episode. <laughs> My, how the tables have tied, turned, tied. Why, what day is it today? Today is June 28th. Because <laughs> we record this on a few days before, so you are going to a well, fireworks show. This episode will drop before the 4th as well. So. I know. So you're going to a fireworks show a week almost early. Yeah. That's beating not the crowds. allowed. That's beating the crowds. Beating the, that's, that, that, I'm going Christmas shopping, and we're going to do Christmas tomorrow then. Hey, people, we're going to beat all the crowds. People on the 4th in my neighborhood will be shooting fireworks all night long on the 4th, so I will get that celebration I guess then they keep me up to all <laughs> old man Dean comes out on his porch. You crazy kids, stop shooting those fireworks you crazy off. Crazy kids. <laughs> I don't do that, but they do shoot off fireworks all night long, it seems like. I used to live in a neighborhood like that. Now I live a little bit more out in the country, and so yeah. it's nice. But I, it would drive me nuts whenever it was just like it's, it's like 12 30, 1 o'clock, and I'm like, I'm trying to go to bed, and pew, 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 pew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Were they shooting fireworks off, or were they watching Star Wars? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> okay. I just like to make that noise. All right. That is this segment summed up in uh, one sound that's effect. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sound I make if anyone ever plays me in Battleship the entire game. Which, uh, yeah, anywho. So I want to go to a poll, and then I realized Johnny dropped the poll ball this time. Because I didn't do a poll. We got nothing. Because I was out of town for two weeks straight. <laughs> I, there was one poll that I never made mention of, which is the worst poll we've ever done. 
and it is one that Dean decided to do. So I'm just going to bring this up. <laughs> and it literally says, how do you feel about Azul from Plan B Games? Great game or greatest game? Yeah. 100% Not- <laughs> great game. Of course, there were some comments that were like, uh, what, is there another option? <laughs> or there was at least one, there are no one other comment. Options. I had just played a game of Azul and was reminded of how good of a game it was. And it just prompted me to do such as that. That's what I do on Twitter. Such as that. I did not vote because I don't think it's a great or greatest game. I think it's a good game. That's our poll. Maybe we should talk about what we've been playing. This is probably why Dean doesn't do the polls. (laughs) That's right. It was a joke poll. Come on, guys. Simmer down. Well, I just don't think it's very funny. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't. Um, it was something. Do you want to say the game that you're playing lately? I sound like yep. a robot. Yeah, so we'll just jump right into that instead. So uh, it give us more time to talk about more games that we've been playing, I guess. Sweet. So I got a play of Caravan from Rio Grande Games. In Actually, John and I played this as a two-player. We yes, plan we on did. doing a review of this on our YouTube channel, but we want to get uh, a higher player count to play this. Um, Caravan, Rio Grande, uh, Rio Grande Games, this is Joe Huber was the designer, and this is, I don't think quite out yet, it's going to be releasing soon if it's not available yet, but Caravan is a abstract game where you are picking up, uh, <laughs> picking up resources. You should see laughing. how high Dean's hand is in the air right now. I'm a hand As he's talker. talking about picking up resources. I have to like... He's reaching for the sky. <laughs> I have to like physically pretend like I'm moving pieces on a board to, to get this across. Okay, I didn't mean to derail that. <laughs> so in Caravan, you have this grid set up and you are picking up picking up goods and delivering them to the location that matches the color of that good. And so there's four basic goods and then there's four rare goods and you're going to get points at the end of the game. Three points for the basic goods, six points for the rare goods. Um, But what you're doing is you're going to be taking four actions every turn. It's an action allowance, action point allowance type of game. And you're going to be placing camels out on the board and when you place those out you for one point, you can just put it in your spot. If you have another player there, then you take two action points to put it in that spot. And then you're essentially building up this caravan, building up this this train of camels in order to pick up a good and deliver it to that space. Pretty simple, but the, the interesting piece of the game is that you can also steal from the other players. But it's not like in a in a really nasty way, I think, because... Oh, it's nasty. I mean, it is. But no, it's, it's, it's I guess in a sense it is, but it's not just constant stealing because you have to have a, I think they're thief tokens thief, or something yeah. like that. So you have to have a thief token to give to the other player in order to steal from them. So it's not like you can just keep stealing over and over again. You have to think about, is it worth it for me to steal this from the other player? Or do I need to wait for them to have something better and be able to um, you know get more points out of it? So it's really, uh, it's a simple game, but I think... We were surprised by it. Not, not, I knew that I would like it. I figured that I would like it anyway. I liked it quite a bit. And that was, was just at two players. Yeah, I was quite unsure about it. Um, even though I really did want to play it because uh, Rio Grande puts out good games, just to be frank. Um, I am not the hugest pickup and deliver fan. and But you know what? As we played through the game, I thought, this is kind of fun. I really thought that playing this at a higher player count would be potentially really fun. 
I, I because it would be it could be sheer madness. It could. Like you could like have all these camels out on the board. This person's stealing this one, and this one's stealing that one, and, and they're stealing that, and they're passing the steal tokens away uh, to the other players. I think that could actually be a hoot. If yeah. I want to go old school. Yeah, I think it. I think it will be. I think it's going to be a lot more fun at a higher player count. But that being said, at a two-player game, there is a decent amount of player interaction. If you if you allow it, I guess you know you can just stay to your own side of the board if you want. But we didn't do that. We we stole a decent amount. I think. Yeah, I mean, I won, so it's a great game. <laughs> it's a ten out of ten for John. <laughs> it's a ten out of ten. No, I mean, I it, I wouldn't buy. There, I'm not going to go buy it. So it's nothing that I'm like jacked up about. But I do think that if you like pick up and deliver games, if you like abstract games, even ones that you can play on a two-player account that I thought it was still solid at two-player, mm-hmm. you might want to check this out. I mean, I think it's only going to be like 30-something bucks or something like that. So Yeah, I have no idea about Not totally that, but... for me, but I thought it was better than I expected. Yeah, but that's Caravan. Pretty, that's Caravan. It's a fun game. I you know, while why you were doing that, uh, this is Joe Huber's like third or fourth game, and the rest of his games are not rated very highly. This is going to be his highest rated game. There's no doubt about it. I think he did one with Thomas Lehman back oh, really? in the day. Okay, yeah. so it's called Starship Merchants, which I had never even heard of. Uh, I, I've heard of that. That's his highest played, rated so. game at the moment at six point six. So this okay. will this will so go Joe. This will, you did. This is a good job. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun game. Alrighty, so something that I have been playing lately on my vacation, I brought out a game that I have been wanting to play for a couple of years, a couple three years now. I've heard great things about it. A couple is two, a few is three. A couple three. A few three years. It is ranked now 10 overall on BGG's top 100, 10 in strategy. It's rated 8.3, and if you don't know what it is by now, Johnny Firecracker's going to tell you, a great western trail. I don't don't know what kind of voice just We're going back to uh, our western (laughs) game. Yeah, but that was weirder. Hey, hey, kids! <laughs> Prospector Dean here. Let's go on a trail together. Great Western Trail, man. You are go- starting in Texas, and you're going on the trail all the way up to Kansas City. As you're playing the game, if you've never played this, you're laying building tiles that allow you to do actions on your buildings. There's, of course, not of course. There are neutral buildings too that you anyone can do actions on. Um, you know what? I don't want to go into great detail. You're taking these goods. You're you're getting the the um, cattle cards in your hand. So you've got this like deck building element to the game. Um, you're getting to Kansas City and you're dropping off your cattle on a train, and the trains go into. I don't know, California and all these different places and you're scoring all these victory points all these different ways, but it's cool because you've got hand management, you have um, I guess kind of worker placement as you're going up the trail uh, you've got your train that you're trying, you're maneuvering the train as the game is being progressed there's a lot of different pieces, moving pieces as the game, as you're playing through the game and whoa, buddy I understand why it's ranked number 10 because it is so very much fun yeah, funny enough, when I when I had my uh, the surgery done on my wrist, I I had a lot of time to lay around, and so I was watching a lot of I was watching a lot of John Gitz games and Slicker Drips and and Rado, some of those you know the the guys who do the full playthroughs, and I didn't even know that you were going to be playing that, but I was I watched probably it. three playthroughs. Um, I think that's right. Th- all three of them did playthroughs of Great Western Trail, and I watched all of them. And I thought, oh, oh boy, I want to play this game so bad. It it's looks great. so cool. It looks like it, it. Maybe I'm wrong about this because I haven't played, but 
it seems like the uniqueness comes in that you're kind of racing across the board and like being efficient in his in his least amount of stops so that you can make more deliveries as yeah, the game you goes can, on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, okay. for sure. Like there's you don't want to race and be inefficient right, and get to right. Kansas City and then not have the uh, right cattle because whenever you're dropping off on the train track, whenever you're dropping your cattle off, you can only go to the same spot once. And if you end up taking the better spots, you end up you can actually end up putting more discs, for example, on Kansas City, which is the first spot. And you lose, I think, six victory points or something. It's a lot every time you place a disc there. So if you're being inefficient and just flying through the map to mm-hmm. drop off cattle, it will actually hurt you in the long run. Right. So you've got it. You want to get there as quick as possible, but you also want to get the right hand of cards. And that's interesting too. That because seems you really unique. Yeah, you can't just discard cards unless you play a certain action to do that. Um, so you're like going as fast or as slow as you can, even to get the right cards to drop off the right amount of cattle. And boy, that's fun. Yeah, that seems really cool. I'm hoping I'm going to a game day tomorrow. So as after this episode drops, I will have hopefully played Great Western Trail. Uh, maybe with the expansion too. That was one thing that yeah. somebody was saying they wanted to play with the expansion. Which well, I watched some on that too. Which seems unique because it seems like your locations where you uh, make your deliveries are different. I guess is that I don't know. I haven't played the you expansion. Haven't played that. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. But I will say like on, on another real quick thing before we move on is. You're trying to save these cattle to drop off, but yet your actions are often based on the cattle cards. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I can play this two cattle, but man, that's two points towards my other thing. And so you're like, you know what I mean? So you're trying to make those decisions like, should I save this so that I can um, drop this one off so that, I, you know, or do I need to play it now to get coins so that I can buy more cattle cards? Yeah. It's cool. It, just, it seems like such a unique game in so oh, many so aspects. Fun. Just the way that you can place your worker placement spots yeah. to kind of hinder other players or like they have think to pay through you. how that right right if it's, there's certain ones that have hands on them and they have to pay you every time they even pass through them yeah i really want to try this it it doesn't seem like there's any games out there that really are like this at all yeah i don't know i don't know i mean there's there's elements of it in a ton of different games right but the way that they put it together yeah. i don't think i've played anyone um yeah, I don't think I've played anything quite like that. I will say this also is the I played with my father-in-law, my brother-in-law and my wife who had never played this game and it took us about 4 hours to play. Yikes. And it's not because it's not because the gameplay takes 4 hours. It's because to be my father-in-law asked every single turn about what three or four different tiles. <laughs> what does uh, that one do? What does that one do? Oh yeah, what does that one do? And like, and so we were constantly going over that. Um, I mean, he didn't play all that poorly. He just couldn't remember what the tiles. That my brother-in-law like, struggled with that too. A little I, that bit. seems like again, just based on watching videos, it seems like that could be an issue. Is is remembering what all those symbols do? If you if you're a gamer, you're it's it's actually pretty intuitive. Okay. If you're not that much of a gamer, it's it's definitely I definitely brought out probably the highest weight game for him for sure, and maybe my brother-in-law for sure, which really bogged it down. Um, anyway, th- so maybe if you're playing with a non. Uh, my brother-in-law is not a non-gamer, but if you're playing with people who don't play games all the time, maybe just add one of them to the game instead of adding multiple and trying to play that. Of course, people are probably going, of course, why would you ever do that? Right. You know right. why? Because I wanted to play the game and they were the people <laughs> that were there. <laughs> nice. Okay, so the next game that I got to play, uh, Father's Day weekend was uh, a week, a couple weeks ago, I Something. guess. And so my family said, hey, we want to play games with you all day. And so 
uh, at, by the end of the night, my wife and I played uh, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth, and I've had this since it came out, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. And so I was really excited. This is a fantasy flight game uh, designed by Nathan Hodgick and Grace Holdinghouse. And in this game, if you've played Mansions of Madness, this is going to look very familiar. But really, it's what you're doing is you're you're exploring this map, and as the map unfolds in Middle Earth, you are finding out what your objective is. And so you take on the role of a character like Bilbo or you know any of them, Legolas or, or Gimli or any of those main characters. You're taking on the role of one of them, and you're fighting baddies that that show up on the board and. Uh, doing different skill checks in order to kind of get through this map. So it's very Ameritrash, and like Mansions of Madness, it uses an app, and in the app that kind of shows you what's coming up next. So it shows you what tiles to lay out as the game unfolds, it shows you what baddies come out, and when you're battling them, you do all that through the app. I like this game quite a bit, but I'm a huge, huge Mansions of Madness fan, and so I, f I figured that I would like this. I like the theme. Uh, the, the setting's just really cool, so uh, this is one I want to get more plays of. You're a pretty big Lord of the Rings fan, or no? I do. I do like Lord of the okay. Rings, yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> am I convincing you that I'm Lord of the Rings fan? No, I was just I'm like... Not like you know, I'm not like the guy to come to for all the answers to Lord of the Rings, but I yeah. enjoy the movies and the books. I, I enjoyed as well, so... I was just curious, because you were talking about how you like Mansions of Madness, and I was just wondering if people who don't like Lord of the Rings, is this something that they might be interested in? Or Maybe think... not. If you like general fantasy theme, and you like Mansions of Madness, I think for sure you're going to like this. Um, I don't know if it... You know, if, if the theme doesn't interest you... But the horror theme does, and you haven't played Mansions of Madness, I would say go that route go that instead. Because yeah. I don't think they're different enough, but I just, I really like, I mean, you know, I like theme, I like storytelling in games, that sort of thing, and that's exactly what this is. I do like a piece of it that I like better than Mansions of Madness, is it takes out some of the fluff text that's unneeded in battles and skill checks and things like that, so it makes the game a little more streamlined and, and plays quicker. So, I enjoy that. Cool. I will probably never play that game. Yep. I mean, as you're talking, like it's not that I wouldn't want to, but it's just don't know if I'll ever have time. There's so many games out there. So I do like Lord of the Rings, though. Quite you, a bit. Now you're seeing me cry right now. I like Lord of the Rings. Tears are coming I'm down excited about the Amazon Lord of the Rings uh, series that's going to come out. I'm, I, yes. Okay. All right. Next. So we'll play this next week. All right. So. <laughs> the final game that I've been playing lately is one that Dean brought out. We did a showdown. Shusha Showdown in Meeple Town. I don't really know if that's how it goes, but you'll see later like in the that. episode. Yes, we did between Imperial Settlers and Everdell. That was last episode. No. Was it two episodes two ago? Episodes ago yeah, yeah, two episodes because last episode we did our ten essential games that you have to have in your collection, or Dean will get angry with you. Yes. So we decided to pull out, or Dean decided to pull out, 51st State, which, if you don't know what that is, that's another Ignacy Chevy Chat game. It, um, man, it is really similar, really similar to Imperial Settlers. Totally different theme. You don't have factions like Imperial Settlers, but it is extremely similar. So we really like Imperial Settlers. We played this. What do you think, Dean? You hadn't played it before, right? Correct. Yeah, this was my first time playing. And, you know, if you listen to that episode, you might have thought 51st State and Imperial Settlers would have made a lot more sense. Probably would have, but we wanted to change that up a little bit. But Yeah, it, they're so similar, though. I like that we did Everdell versus Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Because it's too. just they are really... I mean, it is a different theme, 
and you don't have factions. I mean, you kind of have factions, I guess, but you, yeah. the factions aren't as so. I, I retract that statement about no factions, but you don't have a separate deck of cards for each faction. Right. So the factions, the the difference in the factions comes in the action spaces that are on the board, and there's slight differences. Um, some of them bigger than others, but I still it's not like a huge difference in the same way that Imperial Settlers is. But I quite enjoy Fifty First State. I think as much as I like Imperial Settlers. Time will tell uh, if that really holds true. But the thing I like about it is that you can just throw the cards out on the table and start playing, really, uh, where you don't have to... Imperial Settlers is... A, is, I mean, it's not a difficult game to set up or anything like that. But I think at 51st State's simplicity in the fact that you just are using one deck for all players to pull from, and then you have to be efficient in the cards that you get. The other part is that you don't hold any resources from round to round naturally. You might build a warehouse or a, I think it's an abandoned library or something like that, where you can hold resources from round to round, but naturally, you just have to be more efficient in this game than Imperial Settlers, I think. Maybe I, I'm wrong about well, that. Well, I just love how you use the word naturally. That's naturally? What I was, you use naturally all the time. And Do I? Like I? It. Yeah. Oh, man. You're, you're like, oh, naturally. <laughs> Do you like nature? I don't have another word for it. I don't know. It's good. I mean, I'm gonna. I just said that I like it. I didn't like. You look like I'm like making fun of you. I'm not. I I like how you use the word naturally. Anywho, for me, I think I might like Fifty First State as much as Imperial Settlers. I don't. Um, there are some things that I do like, and, and, and let me say this: I've only had one play, so I it maybe I would would if I played more plays for sure. So I, I hate making statements after one play, but that's why we throw these type of games at the beginning of the podcast and say, this is what we've been playing lately because we don't want to do full-on reviews after only one play. With that said, I do think that it's possible that it's more, well, it's better balanced potentially because you don't have the factions that have the different buildings that, I don't know, um, maybe everyone listening that's played Imperial Settlers says it's perfectly balanced. It may be. I don't know. I, I wrestle with, is that faction just better? Because I feel like there's some that people win with a little bit more. I could be wrong. Maybe they're just simpler to play. And so that's, and I'm just not very good at Imperial Settlers. And that's why the um, certain factions seem to win more than other ones. Because you don't have those faction cards, it's pretty, seems maybe more fair. You need, right. Uh, I could be I wrong. Think, I think it levels the playing field for new that's players. A, that's a good, I think that's a good way to say it. Because I think in Imperial Settlers, if you know a faction and how it plays, you can play it well. You just have to play off it. Like, for example, the Egyptians, you need to, I don't want to go off on a tangent. With the Egyptians, you know that they're going to build a lot, make a lot of gold. And so that's really where you need to put your focus if yeah. you get the right cards to do so. That's why I like Imperial at this moment better. Is even though I'm saying that it kind of levels the playing field, maybe especially for new people, I like exploring the factions, and I think that increases uh, replayability. Um, and there's just a couple other things like that. I, and now I'm drawing a complete mind blank that I mentioned to you even earlier that I think I like a little bit. Oh yeah, like uh, I like how there's um, you're putting buildings on both sides of your kind of player mat, and then one side, unless you're a Japanese or whatever, they can't raise and just destroy your buildings. But on the right hand side, you've also got like the little shield that can protect one of your buildings. You don't have that in Fifty First State, so I just like I think there's just a little more decisions to be made in Imperial Settlers, a few more. Um, maybe maybe you'll disagree with that. That, to me, makes it a, a better game after playing one playthrough of 51st State. Not to take away 51st State, though. Yeah, I don't know if I disagree with that. We're not going to belabor the, no. the point on, on this. We'll, we'll move on, but I, I don't know if it's... Um, 
Yeah, they're just different, you know, because yeah. you know, in one sense, you have to play to the to the faction strength in fifty first state. One of one of my abilities was to turn guns into three of those uh, red so control you had to tokens. So you shoot me all up and down. And so, really, I had to focus on raising more of your, and it costs more in this in this game, fifty first state. It costs more to raise a building than it does, and and it's progressively more yeah. as you move down the board. So I think it does. I think that you just have to, in some senses, play to the strengths of your of your faction, even though it's not as, as predominant, prominent, as, yeah. Yeah, as prominent as... Yeah. as the last thing I'll say um, before we move on is that this is definitely a theme that, uh, that some people will gravitate to, this kind of post-apocalyptic... I think it's cool, but it is definitely... If you like Imperial Settlers and you like cutesy cartoony, which I do... Too. This is a completely different theme. It is. This it is, is not. This is not. So there will be people I think that just will not like this theme at all. That it's yeah. just not for them. But there'll also be people who will heavily gravitate towards it and go, "This is way cooler yeah. than the cartoony theme." And because we do attempt to be a family-friendly show, uh, I would say Fifty First State is not a good family game for. No, it'd, you know, I think it'd neither be one of them are really great teenager for, plus game. Yeah, instead yeah. of uh, my play with my eleven-year-old, which you you might not play either of these with a younger kid. Uh, you won't play them with a younger kid anyway, probably. Yeah. But anyway, there you go. That's Fifty First State. Let's move on to our overview and review of Pipeline. Pipeline is a 2-4 player game published in 2019 by Capstone Games. The designer is Ryan Courtney and the art is by Ian O'Toole. It's for ages 12 and up and plays in about 120 minutes. In Pipeline, players will be starting a company in the oil business seeking to earn the most money by buying cheaper crude oil and refining it to sell it at a higher price. The player that most efficiently builds this business up to have the most money at the end of the game will be the winner. The game is played out over three years and players will be taking actions in player order over the course of those years. I'll be giving an overview of some of the actions to give you a feel for the game. One action is to buy crude oil. When taking this action, a player will purchase cubes in three different colors from the market. If the supply is high, the price will be low, but as the cubes disappear from the mar market, the price will go up. Players can also buy tiles from the board that have different pipe colors and designs on them. The tiles will be placed together in a way that add value to the refining process on other actions. The main thing to know is that the pipe values will correspond to the color and sections of the pipeline. For example, if you lay out tiles that connect with the same color that have five sections in, in that line, you'll be able to refine oil barrels of the same color at the value of five. In this example, let's say a player has an orange barrel and a tank on the crude section of their player board. As an action, they can place their meeple on the tile that contains part of the orange pipeline. If the number of the refinement cost of the space of the main board is 5 or less, the player can then move their orange barrel from the crude tank up a level. Now the oil has been refined and it's of more value. Another action a player can take is one of the three refined market actions, which will allow the player to sell that refined oil barrel into the matching color and matching grade, either low, mid, or high, for that matching price. In the example from above, a player could take the refined market 2 action space in order to sell the low grade orange barrel for $30, assuming that that space is open. This is the essence of the game. Buy crude oil at a low price, refine it, and sell it for a higher price. Now there's other actions to take that will see players purchasing more tanks to hold more oil barrels, buying machines in order to refine oil through 
the pipes attached to the machines at a cost instead of spending an action to refine it, or acquiring upgrade cards that are technologies that assist in being more efficient. There are also other actions the player can take, like fulfilling contracts or orders, or even taking loans if they need to. Now this is just a brief overview of the game, but I think this kind of gives you an idea of, of how the game essentially plays out. Let's get back to the table and see what we thought of Pipeline. Alright Meeple Town, so a game that has been on my radar for quite some time, for months now, uh, which totally captured my attention by the beautiful spoiler about art and component, <laughs> beautiful artwork uh, in general of Ian O'Toole. Now, Pipeline doesn't have a ton of artwork, I better not get into art and components. But I will say, it caught my attention and I thought, hmm, I want to play this game I think. And then I watched a few playthroughs, a little bit of action on it. Uh, I love the clean and the modern look of it. And I said, you know what? I want to play that game. So I sent a little email over to Capstone. And thank you, Capstone. They sent us Pipeline. That is why we're here today. I don't know if that's why we're here today. <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> that's a reason why we're here today, I think. That's okay. I wonder if this, um, I don't think it's flowing so smoothly right now. You want it to, to, throw, to flow... Th <laughs> that was going to be smooth. Sweet. And seen. All right, so you want it to flow smoothly through the pipes. That was the joke that I was trying to make. I got yeah. you. Okay. You All know right. whenever you make a joke and then somebody explains it and it kind of ruins yeah. the Usually joke? when you tell somebody this is a joke, <laughs> it's, yeah. it might not be great. Oh, it was... I think that we should have a poll about that one. No, I don't think it's necessary. Pipeline... <laughs> we're staring deeply into each other's eyes right now like looking at each other like what's happening i'm actually looking at the floor to avoid eye contact right now so art and components we're gonna just jump right into art and components on yeah. pipeline yeah why not since i kind of already started in the i guess intro anyways yeah um i i mentioned i just said this earlier it is modern it's sleek i like it dean you're gonna mention that there's not a ton of art the box has art. The top of the player board has art. I think it's all really solid, but there's not tons and tons of art. Yeah, the 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 thing that I like isn't the... I, it is the art, because I think the art that's on here is really cool, and it, it fits the theme well and all that. But I think it's more of the graphic design that I enjoy about the the way that all of this looks. Like, Because there's a lot of different pieces to this game, yeah. but I think the look of it is pretty clean. And if you if you put too much art on the board... It would it would not be good, I think. You know, if no, you, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I think you have to have a cleaner look for this game, and I think that's that's the part that I really like. So I don't know how much of that is you know tool or if it, there's another graphic design person, whoever was involved in that process. I guess I think that's they they crushed it. I think for for this game, they did a great job with making it very intuitive, and the art is a piece to that. Because you may go to a market that's tanks and pipes, and it has the exact same color as that section on the board, or machines and pipes, or tanks and pipes. Um, uh, uh, it, has, it has the exact same color, so it like really makes the game, I think, even though right now it's weighted at 3.79, it makes it very intuitive. So thank you for the art looking clean. Thank you for the art helping actually keep the game intuitive when you're trying to learn how to play it. That's right. And then when you look at the components, because there's not really, you know, it, it's 
essentially a tile-laying game. You know, I mean, that that's kind of the, the bulk of the components of it. You've got cubes, tiles, and a board, and that's it. But the cardboard's nice and thick. Sure. The the cards are fine. The the cubes could have been barrels, maybe. But, uh, you know, that's that's a, a minor I don't mind cube issue. pushing, but it would have been cool. Yeah, but it's it's fine. Like it's it's very functional for what it is. So I I don't really have many complaints at all, or, or if if any complaints about the art or components. I guess if I were really looking for something to complain about, it would be that on your player board, you have cubes at the top of them that keep up with the uh, your your how longest long your, your your longest pipeline for each color is, and they're just cubes that go to ten. Well, you're probably gonna go higher than ten, and so when that wraps back around. You have to keep in mind, okay, that's actually twelve and not two, you know. Which I mean, you, you can just can look at your board. On there so it's not a huge deal. Now the the Kickstarter edition has that, but I, I the base game does not. You just use regular cubes on there. So just a, a minor thing, but so whatever. I guess if you really want that, then go for the Kickstarter edition for sure, which is about ten bucks more. Oh, you can still buy it. You can. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. You can buy it on if you go to Capstone's uh, website. You can you can do that. So let's talk about gameplay. Okay. <laughs> we can do that. I was looking. I think at, I howled almost. I, I, I'm just looking at the differences in the in the Kickstarter version because I didn't realize this, so I just I pulled it up real fast. But there's, um, you've got the the drawstring, um, the drawstring bag that's with that as well. Yeah. And then the, a difference in the the box cover, I guess. But that's really pretty much. I it. don't think there's huge differences. It looks. I mean, it's sixty bucks for the regular one on Capstone's website and seventy for the kickstarter so it's not like it's way more for the kickstarter starter mm. version so no i do think those little pieces are uh the little round tokens are pretty cool though yeah so i mentioned gameplay you weren't super excited about this game were you no if you know me you know that if i see a game that's weighted in the four range uh it, it's not that i hate heavy games i'm just reluctant to play them sometimes because I've played games that seem heavy for heavy's sake, you know? Like, sure. let's see how heavy this game can be and, and play that. See how much we can burn your brain. And that's that's not me. That's not why I play games. And I'll, I'll play those and I'll enjoy them. Pipeline is not a 3.79 in my mind, I don't think. Waiting, uh, weight-wise, I think it's lower than that. I don't think this is a difficult game. It is a brain burner in the sense of you want to run an efficient engine, but it... I don't know if brain burning. I don't. I didn't feel like exhausted no, at the end. No, I mean, game. there's there. So you know, one of the places that you can go to on the board is um, to get pipes. Government pipes, in particular, at the beginning of before people start taking them, there's a lot of eh, what is there um, two, four, six, eight? I think eight different pipes, and they have different types of pipes coming out of them. And some pipe tiles have three different types of pipes. And so I could see you having some AP, and I have sometimes to look at all the pipes and try to figure out which is the best one, which is the most efficient one, which is gonna work best in my pipeline that I'm building. But teaching the game, I played this with my wife and she um, she, she plays a lot of games with me for sure. And she plays some heavier games. I didn't, I was worried about this one. I, I, when I saw the waiting, I thought, man, this is this may be one where she just burns her brain. And she's, she's like Dean. She doesn't wanna play a brain burner just for brain burner's sake. That doesn't, she doesn't get excited about that. Um, but I was able to teach this to her very quickly. She didn't love the game. I would say that. Like, it just it wasn't her style. But it wasn't like she didn't keep complaining about how difficult it was. So I agree. I actually, I, I, I went on the poll on BGG and 
weighted at three, even though I think it's a little better, higher than that, at straight up medium, because I wanted to lower that weight just a little bit, because I thought, oh, I you're don't that think guy. it's, yeah, I just don't think it's a three, I mean, to me it's not, um, but you know, hey, to each his own, I guess. Yeah, it's funny because subjective. I don't really have much to add to that. I've never weighted anything on BGG, I don't think. I only do when I think it's wrong. <laughs> That's a different conversation, I guess, but uh, we can talk about that at some point. But so some of the pieces that I like about this game, the tiling yes. is fantastic. Yes. It's so cool to think about, um, to, to build out this system of pipes where you, I, I think you want to be somewhat balanced. You can maybe focus on, on two, but you want to have you want to have an efficient engine. And so you want to build this system of pipes in a way that that lends to that that allows you to refine oil different uh, types to, right to to allow you to refine different types of oil in a very efficient way because it naturally you have to naturally, naturally you have to place a worker to be able to um to be able to run the the oil to refine the oil now you can build a machine that you pay money instead which i think you want to do that but if you're placing a worker you don't want to waste an action on you know just, just doing one type, one type and yeah. one barrel. You know, you, you want to be able to, you know, do multiple types, potentially multiple barrels if you can. And so I like that aspect of it, the, the tiling, the puzzle, the puzzle. I mean, that's complete puzzle of trying to figure out, oh, 100%. What, you know, what what way to place those pipes. I think it's exactly. Cool. And then, like you said, you place your worker on one tile, which could have it could have one type of pipe, two types of pipe or three different types of pipe. And even if it has one type of pipe, it could have two different pipes because you're only allowed to refine one barrel per pipe. So not per, per pipe, per line. pipe line. Yeah. So I, I can't have one giant orange connected and then just start moving up three or four, you know, two or three different types of the same orange uh, barrel. You can only do one per. So you're sitting there making those decisions and it is definitely puzzly and really cool and like as what dean was saying too is like you may not want to just focus and maybe maybe i don't know the strategy as well but you don't it's going to be hard i think to only focus on one or two different types there's three different types of oil because in the markets you can totally get blocked yeah someone could because whenever someone sells if if that space is filled up if all the teals are filled up in the markets you can't move there now you could get contracts that have teals that's a whole nother piece to the game or orders. But if some of those get taken up, ugh. <laughs> which, which, you know, can be, can be frustrating because it means that you're either going to have to take more actions to be able to run that oil through, through the pipeline yeah, to, to bump it up to a higher notch, you know, and, and that's going to be wasting actions. Or it could mean that potentially you have to take a loan out because you don't have all the things that you need, especially at the beginning of the game, if you're not efficient in making sure, those first few actions are very critical because you only start off with $40, but you have to be able to buy the the oil, right? You have yeah. to buy some, you buy some oil. oil and you don't start off with any through, oil, any crude. Right? And you have to be able to buy tiles as well. That's expensive. You know, if you buy three tiles, that's $20. 20 bucks, that's half and then money. if you buy the cheapest oil, that's gonna be $12. So you're at $32. Oh, it's five. You I was thinking look, you six. should look at his face right now. I'm sorry. What I, what I was thinking is six dollars per barrel is what I was thinking. There, there is a five. There is one. some for five. Okay, so let's say you buy the five dollar ones. You buy two of them because you don't really just want to buy one if you can help it. I think that seems like an inefficient move. Right. So you're looking at at that point thirty to thirty two dollars. Right. 
and that leaves you with $8, which means you can't buy a machine, which is 20 or 30 or 40 You can't do upgrades. Yeah, You can't do any do upgrades. That. You can't do any of that. So at the very beginning of the game, you, it's super tight on what you can do, but I think you have to do those three actions. I mean, Really, you do, right? You do. You I mean, to. you could buy, uh, for example, you could buy the government... Um, upgrade, which allows you to get two government tiles. Sure, right. You right. know, pipe tiles, so that you could do something like that. Which is twenty dollars. Which you is know, twenty bucks. Half your money. At yeah, the end which of the you game. could get three tiles the other way. But then you're going to get one because because it's an upgrade every year. You're going to get a pipe tile, and you could also go. There's three levels of upgrades at the end. For example, I'm just giving you an example so you can understand a little bit better. Hopefully, the upgrades by the third upgrade on the government pipes, you're actually getting six government pipe tiles if they're available. If they're not, because you have to get them from the same area of the board, which is kind of cool. There's four different areas, and two areas are open the first round. A third one opens the third round, and then a uh, second round, and then the fourth one opens for the third year. And it gets your moves get your your uh, moves get progressively smaller. Your turns as it goes, so you have like I don't remember like eight to ten turns the first year, and then it goes down to I think four turns only the last year. The game is super tight, which is why you may want to. Dean mentioned loans, like you can take out a loan, which gives you fifteen dollars, but you take a penalty, which if you don't, which is immediately twenty dollars that you're going to lose at the end of the game. I think a second penalty is like fifty dollars, so the loans also get progressively more expensive to take out, but. In order to get your engine building built, it might be a good idea to do that. Get those machines going, get the oil running through the pipelines, and and get going. So the whole game, and I've heard some complaints that if you don't like really tight games like Agricola, you're probably not, you might not like this game. Um, I, I don't know because it, a lot of people, not a lot of people, a few people complained that it feels like right when you get your engine built, the game ends. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that's fairly fair. You, the first game not, we played, that's not every game though. That's Dean crushed the first game. He beat me to a pulp. Over half, he doubled my score. Your engine was kicking. And when you're talking double your score, just so you have an idea, yeah. the score was eight hundred to four hundred. I mean, you're scoring, you're getting a lot Dallas. of money in this game now. You don't have all that money during the game. It's not until you do the end game scoring that you're going to get a lot of that. But true. Uh, but then you look at you know another game that we played where our scores you beat me, and I had less than half of my total that I had of that first game. Yeah. And um, so, but I I agree with you. I agree with them to that extent that it is. I think for a lot of games you're going to start this engine and then it's going to abruptly end. I don't think it's as bad as Agricola when it comes to that. But I don't think just, so either. That's just my personal opinion. And I don't mind it. Actually, I I used to not like it. I, like when I when I was first starting to play, it's one thing I didn't like Agricola the first time I played it. I was like, no, right when I get ready to do it. But the but I find sometimes those are the games I go back to because I want to figure it out because yeah. it's such a challenge. It makes me want to keep going back to that game because I'm like, okay, no, I can figure this engine out before and actually get something good. That's what makes me keep going back to Agricola, even though I've played it so many times over the years. That's what makes me want to go back and play Pipeline. Yeah, Pipeline is definitely that game. I do want to figure out. The puzzle, puzzle, puzzleiness, puzzlenessly. Yep, nailed it. <laughs> I want to f- figure it. out the the puzzle of this game because I'll be honest, I have no idea how I did so well the first game, <laughs> and I thought I could do it again the second game, 
Boy, was I wrong. I it was, was so crazy. Wrong. It just felt like that first, that second game, we we breezed through. It felt like it went so fast. It was probably because we were making terrible decisions. Right, and money wasn't an issue for me <laughs> in that game, but it has been. You know, the money a lot of times is, is, is in other games. I, I think that that very much is an issue. But especially at the beginning of the game, I'm going to go back to that for just a second because I think when you're teaching this game, I think you need to tell new players those first not not tell them what to do on their first three moves which you know really is about half of the first year and you only play three years and each each, each year is yeah so each year is less and less moves that you're going to take but i do think you need to kind of walk through new players here's what you're going to need to do to avoid taking loans you know you could go the route of, of taking loans and honestly that's probably not a huge deal because if you can make up the money in those loans, who cares? Who you know, cares, who cares yeah. if you take the loans if you're, you know, long term if you're building up this huge engine. I think it's fine, but I do think that you have to be clear to new players. Otherwise, they might hate the game, honestly. Yeah, because you can get crushed, like you said. That's what I, I remember telling my wife because I was watching a lot of playthroughs. The first time we played was like, you've got to have money. Money's going to be tight. You've got to figure it out. You've got to figure out how to get money early in the game, or you're going to take. And we, neither of us, in our first game that we played, took out a loan. I don't know if we were all that efficient either, honestly. But that's the way. It went. So I'm thinking before we go into um, final thoughts and ratings, do you feel like this game is thematic or not at all? Just curious. Do you feel like an oil baron smoking a stogie? Uh, n- no. <laughs> I mean, I do think it's Why thematic. do we have pictures? I, Why do we think that every oil baron smokes a stogie? Seems like that's or is dangerous. That just me? That's very dangerous to smoke stogies around pipelines full of oil, I would think. Yeah. Like with like a, um, a hat on. They have to wear hats, right? Kind of or they're bald with a hair cul-de-sac. Okay. I need to... I'm not seeing the right pictures that you're seeing, apparently. They're, they're in my head oh, right I, now. <laughs> in my head. Okay. To answer your question, I do not feel like I'm smoking a stogie. But yes, I do think this game is thematic. Really. I think it's decent. Like I, for a um, medium-heavy, if you want to call it, Euro game, I you do kind of feel like, oh yeah, I'm buying low, I'm selling high... Um, you know, we didn't even mention that it is, which is terrible of us, that it's much, very much an economic game. Yeah. We, we talked about the puzzling stuff, but, it, and we didn't also, so this is, I feel like this is bad um, podcasting, but you're placing your worker onto spots as well. So there's worker placement. Uh, you're buy, trying to buy low, sell high these barrels of oil, and the whole time it's all about efficiency and how you can do it the quickest way. And then you have, as Dean mentioned, the pipe puzzle there. Yeah. Yep. That's that's exactly right. I I think so. To go along with that, I think it's very thematic in that sense. And the the reality is, a lot of these buy low, sell high games are thematic because you're. It's very. I think like stock games. It's easier, right? It's easier in board game format to kind of simulate that that feeling in a sense. Yeah. Um, So I I think in that sense, it is it is pretty thematic. Let me. Let me talk about, I know we're going to move into our final thoughts, yep. but I want to just drop this a little bit. With the upgrade cards, mm-hmm. um, if you watch our video review of this, you'll, you'll see it kind of play out. But in, in the rules, it says that when you get an upgrade, oh yeah, when you get an upgrade, you're going to pay for the upgrade, and then you can flip a tile over for free, which means that no one can get that row for the rest of that year. That really stinks because... Yeah. The only I think the only reason you would do that is to mess other players up. One hundred percent. Yeah, and you know I'm okay with that in games. I'm okay with doing taking actions that mess other players up. But there's no reason not to do that, just to mess players up, and it doesn't hurt you. Like you don't have to pay anything 
for that to flip over, you're just hurting another player, and there's no there's no consequences for you to yeah. do that. And I just for I me, like I don't that. like that. I don't really house rule a lot of things, but I don't think I'll play that that way. I agree, and I'm not. I'm very much into take that, but I just feel like that's just unnecessary. And and there's only to go on top of that. There's only five different upgrades, and unless I'm wrong here, you don't change that based on player count. So if you're playing four players and there's only five different upgrades that you can pick, if you were the third or fourth player, if everyone decided, which they're probably not going to just decide to go for upgrades, but if people were going to upgrades and even if two players before it got to your turn went to upgrades and both flipped over another one, it would leave you with one upgrade. There's only three years and for the rest of the first year, you can't get an upgrade. Right. right. And then that would also mean that you couldn't get to the third upgrade because you have to, to get to that third level, you've got to buy one upgrade per year. And so it would leave you with one choice, probably, you know, and maybe not the best choice. So I just... I agree with Dean. I just don't like that at all. Um, at the end of our last game, both he and I could have hosed each other because there was also there's a valuation which you can get more money at the end of the game for, and one of them is getting to the third level. And I could have, and he could have flipped over the tile just to hose either one. And we well, both, the first the first player could have whoever was the first player to take that upgrade action. Yeah, could have. But we waited a little bit. We wait. We both waited. Because like, I actually thought, okay, I could do this right now, and I could stop Dean. And I thought, that's just mean for mean's sake. Honestly, like and, I didn't... You know, maybe, maybe some that, people like that. Maybe that means that we just couldn't be stogie smoking I guess. You know, we can't, we're not that barons. cutthroat. We're not that cutthroat. Yeah, and then he th- but Dean did the same thing. He could have done that. He, he decided to go first, and, and so he could have done it, and he's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. We're going to kind of house rule this and, and not do that. So the other thing that I don't love about the game is... And again, this is. I hope that I didn't read this incorrectly. I don't think I did. There is no. There's no um, bonus. I don't know if that's the right word. There's nothing for players that don't go first. The first player gets first dibs, and that's it. So I can imagine in a super tight game, if you're playing four players and you get last called. Now, someone might say, okay, well, if you get fourth player, then you can you, you can go to a space that knocks the other player out, and you get to go first next round, and no one can stop you. Not but at the still, beginning of the game, though, because you have to pay. I mean, you can, but you have to pay $10 not gonna to go take to those, secondary action. Yeah, but I mean, you could oh, you go can to just that take the only. Action. That's right, yeah. But, but still, I just to me, it just seems, why? Why, if you're playing especially a four-player game, don't you get $40 or you know what I mean, 40, 50, 60, something. You get some kind of bonus for going fourth um, because you don't get to go first. I, that, that really irritated me to be frank. I was just kind of like this, why every game does that? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe I don't understand the strategy. So, well, I think you answered the question, but I don't know if it's good enough. You know, I, I think this, the answer is that you can bump, the you know bump into first yeah. place at the end of that round. You which can is... watch other players and see what they're doing and kind of make your moves based on that. But I mean, if if there's only two markets and three players decide to take tiles, three each, you are down to not a lot of tiles. Right, right, and those you know you might not be. But then I guess you could buy the crude and steal it before them. But I don't, I don't like. I but don't you know. might not be in a position to be able to take those the the actions that that yeah. allow you to bump into that spot because I, I think that that could be very difficult you you have to you have to order your strategy in that way yeah but anyway so since i said final thoughts about 10 minutes ago <laughs> let's get to them let's get to the uh thoughts. do you want to go first or you want me to go <laughs> yeah i can i can go first i 
Um, John John talked about having this game on his radar for a while. I thought the look of it was cool, but again, I was a little reluctant just based on the weight of it and the style of games that I gravitate towards. I like heavier games sometimes, if they're good games. This is a good game. This is a really good game. I quite enjoy this, and I was very... I was shocked at how much I did like this, and I'm real glad that I got a chance to play this. I want to play it more because I feel like I can get to that place where I can build that engine again and, and get you know $1,000 or whatever that goal would be. I really feel like that that's the thing that's going to bring this game back to the table yep. for me. So I quite enjoy this. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10, a solid 8 out of 10. I think this is really fun, and I can't wait to play this again. Yes, I like I'm cool with economic games. I'm cool with buy low, sell high. What makes this game stand out for me is the pipeline. Yep. Because it has that abstract nature. It gets you like abstract component naturally. I said nature. You're you're starting to you're naturally starting to come into my vocabulary <laughs> and say that nature. This abstract component to trying to figure out how to place the tiles. You know, you've got that. You know patchworky cottage garden let's figure out how to make these pieces fit the best i really love that part of the game to go along with you know um, trying to make the most efficient engine possible i love engine builders pretty much really high up there for like my favorite types of games or at least having some type of engine building component i think the art's really great it's a really solid game i'm gonna agree 100 with dean and I'm going to give this 8 out of 10. And I'm going to say I really wrestled. I almost think I should go 8.5. But I'm going to stay a little conservative. I I believe without a doubt it will never go down from 8. Only potential to go up. Yeah. And it could be an 8.5. Maybe a 9. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. If you're into medium, medium, heavy games, um, economic games, engine building games... I you really should try this. Yeah, I totally agree. And you, you mentioned it not going down from eight. I would agree with that too, because there's also a lot of variability in the, in yeah. the tiles that come out, the contracts, uh, the, the, upgrades the upgrades change every time. Yeah. So, um, the, the end game scoring, there's yeah. a lot of variability in, in this game. So this is also, by the way, Ryan Courtney's first game, according to BGG. Now, I mean, maybe he's worked on other games and it's just not in there. That's always get hesitant to say that because you never know for sure. Fantastic job. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. So two more questions that we always ask at the end of these reviews. One, is there a game, if this is if this is too heavy, because this is heavier, you know, heavier, a heavier game, is there another one that kind of fits the bill um, for somebody who might not like really heavy games? You're going to say Stockpile? I am. That's yeah. exactly right. I'll say Stockpile. Uh, it is a different game because you don't have the tile laying aspect of it. It's purely the buy low, sell high yeah. type of game. Could you say acquire? Could you go like really old there. school and say acquire or no? It's been a while since I played that. I wouldn't. No, I, for me, I would just say stockpile. Yeah, stockpile. There you go. All go, right, there we go. Go that with was, Dean's. That was fast. Don't go with John's. <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to that, we asked the question, um, is it worth it? On Capstone's website, the non-Kickstarter version is 60 bucks. The Kickstarter version is $70. Wow, I really like this game. That's a lot of money. It is. Now, we, we often use the Amazon or online board game store prices that I don't think are available yet. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine that if we if we kind of did the same thing, you know, that we would probably see that price be lower. Uh, I think because of the vari variability. I mean, if you like a game, yeah, sure, it's worth it if you're going to play it a lot. 
when you're looking at all the you know the gameplay, when you're looking at the components and all that, the variability, yes, I think it's worth it. Yeah, and so I'm by the way, like I'm looking at board game prices and it's on pre-order on at places for like fifty bucks. I'm on Game Nerds. It's forty eight ninety seven. So, so I Capstone. That's the price on their website. You know that when you go to publishers, you know it, they're usually going to be retail MS, and they're MSRP. MSRP yeah. They're going to be more money. So for the fifty bucks, yes. When I hear when I get to seventy and stuff, I mean maybe I'm just cheap. Then I start going, oh, that's a lot of money for a game to me. But for fifty bucks, if I'm going to give it eight out of ten, and because of what Dean said, a lot of replayability, I can only see my score going up on this. I would uh, 100% buy it for that price. All right, that's going to do it for Pipeline. John gave it an 8. I also gave it an 8. Let's look at a showdown between Champions of Midgard and Raiders of the North Sea. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the moment you've been waiting for, where we will pit similar games against each other and each decide which one is the best. This is the showdown in Meepletown. All right, Meeple Town, today we're doing a showdown between two Viking-themed worker placement games in Champions of Midgard and Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, not ninja-themed, Viking-themed is what we're going for. Does that sound like a Viking? I think so. I've never actually met a Viking except like a Minnesota Viking I feel like Vikings would gurgle a lot and be very guttural and have stuff dripping out of their beards. And turkey legs in their mouths. Why do Vikings always have to have beards? While they're chopping off people's heads. Yep, that's more like it. That's the business. <laughs> All right, let's let's just jump into this. We're going to give brief overviews of both of these games. I'm going to talk about Champions of Midgard first. So in Champions of Midgard, you are placing workers onto these spaces. You're gathering resources, but... But better yet, you're gathering dice, and those dice are going to become your Viking warriors. And then you're going to go going to go off on ships or go walking up mountains potentially to fight these trolls and monsters and dragons or whatever. And you're going to be rolling dice, your warrior dice, for the results that are strong enough that you need to be able to defeat those monsters. And in that process, you're also probably, unless you roll shields, going to be losing Viking warriors. Now, we're going to be talking about the the expansion in all of this. So I'll just kind of mention that in that, when you lose your, in the, with the expansions, when you lose those warrior dice, you can also gain these tokens that can use you can use to spend to buy other the cards. cards. That's the Valhalla expansion. But that's kind of the gist of Champions of Midgard. John, tell us about Raiders of the North Sea. Well, Raiders, it's, it's, it's a worker placement. You're going, you're, you're placing your worker to uh, pick up cards to then put these cards, which are your Vikings, in your tableau. And so you can have you have four or five or whatever Vikings. You're going, as you're placing your workers, also to get provisions for your journeys. Uh, to get um, silver in order to purchase your Vikings, to put them into your tableau, into your raiding party. And then you're just going out on the board and you are raiding. And you are sometimes rolling dice in your raids to score more victory points. Sometimes you're not. Earlier in the game, you're just getting a victory point and taking the goods that are from that. Then you're obviously taking those goods. Um, You can purchase tiles that'll give you victory points. Uh, You can use those goods like gold to raid later on in the game because sometimes when you're raiding, it costs provisions and gold, whatever. You're basically taking these cards, taking these Vikings, and you are just going out and doing all these raids. 
Yep. That's exactly right. And both of these games are by different publishers and designers. So Champion of Midgard is by uh, Ole Steinus, and that's uh, published by Gray Fox Games in the U.S. And then Raiders of the North Sea is Shem Phillips uh, by uh, Garfield Games and Renegade Games in the in the U.S. What's the better game, John? Well, you know, I'm going to say this first and foremost. I'm on BGG right now. What do you think? You probably haven't pulled up. What is Champions of Midgard rated? 93. That's just off the top of my head. I'm just going to guess. That is, that's not, I, I meant, I didn't say ranked. Oh, you I said, said rated. What it's rated. I'm sorry. You're just like my wife. You don't listen to mostly <laughs> what I say. It's rated a 7.8. You know what Raiders is rated? I'm just going to, I don't know, just guess. Like 7.8. <laughs> I'm looking. Dang I'm sorry. 7.8 on both of them. 7.8. Okay, now let's go to ranking. Overall, 93 overall for Champions of Midgard. 84 overall for Raiders of the North Sea. For strategy, 74 for Champions of Midgard. 70 for Raiders. This is like, according to BGG, like literally the closest weight. 2.59 for Champions of Midgard. 2.54 for Raiders of the North Sea. It could not be closer, according to BGG. So, you asking the question, what do you like better? I can't give that yet. Okay, we'll get to that. But... This is by far, like you've already mentioned, this is by far the closest to call showdown that we've done. Not, not, we're not talking about not for us, us yet. personally. We're not talking about us yet. We're just talking about, you know, in general, like how people feel about these two games. It's tight. It's tight. It's I'm, real tight. It, this was a hard, the, the last one was a harder decision for me between Imperial Settlers and Everdell than this one, actually. But according to most folks, it looks like it's really, really tight. So let's say this. What do I like about, um, Champions of Midgard. What do I like about it, Dean? What do you think? I don't. I don't know. Dice. What you tell me? This is this is your showdown. I, I'm it? not really sure what I like about it, so I'm just asking you to help. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's fun. Champions of Midgard uh, is a good game. It is a fun game, especially if you just want to, as we've mentioned multiple uh, multiple times in our podcast, chuck some dice. You definitely have the worker placement areas that provide thoughtfulness and do provide strategy to the game. So it's not just like a pure dice chucking game where you're not there's not a whole lot of strategy or anything there definitely is strategy involved especially in which monsters to go to whether to take risk dean mentioned earlier you can take a boat to go fight more difficult monsters but then of course you have to have provisions in order to do that with champions Um, and then before you fight that monster you flip over a card which could say all quiet but it could also say you lose a provision or you lose two things, like one of your dice, which is one of your warriors, and a food, or something like that. And so, you've got, it's, it, there's definitely a, a major push-your-luck element in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. With with the base game, I think you have to weigh the cost more when you go into battle. Sure. Because I, I mentioned with the expansion, you're going to get these tokens that you can buy cards when, when warrior dice die. Yes. But in the base game, you get nothing. You just lose warriors. And so you really have to think, oh boy, you know, do I, I have to weigh the cost. How many of these warriors am I going to send into battle? You have to do that with the expansion too. But I think you can be a little more reckless with the expansion in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, your thoughtfulness could be, I want this warrior to die so that I can get this token because I really want to be able to uh, to buy this card up here in, sure. the, in the Valhalla board. So I think it's it's interesting how the dynamic is of that work. For me, I won't it play this changes. I won't play this game with Valhalla, without the Valhalla expansion, but I could see somebody saying, "No, I like playing without it because I can weigh the options more of just 
purely am I going to lose this warrior or not? And then I, I might not want to send them into battle. It definitely is going to add... It definitely adds... I don't know if it's a thinkier... I guess it's a little thinkier. It's Like Dean said, you're going to hesitate more. But here's the negative to it. The negative is, without Valhalla, it's a lot more luck based on the rolls. You can mitigate those with the trumpets or whatever. But like I've, I played... I remember the first game I played, and I just rolled terribly. The trumpets? What are they? The blessing token things that you're talking yes, about? Okay. The horns. The horns? The horns of fruitful blessings. <laughs> I just... Those things, like you can you can re-roll dice with those, but I remember the first game I played, man, I just was rolling horrible and did bad. Even using those dice, like you did at the very end of that game, oh, where yeah. you were just like rolling and you played that horn and you rolled terrible and you played it and you rolled terrible and you played it. Like that's the whole game, and I had a horrible taste in my mouth because I was like, yeah, I like strategy games. I don't love dice chucking games, especially whenever I feel like it's not mitigated right, right. as much. And so that's what I love about Valhalla is, sure, it does become more reckless. Yeah, yeah. But you get something if you don't, and you, you have more, some of those decisions to make as the game's progressed. And so if you do do terrible and you roll bad and you lose guys, you can at least go for different cards and stuff. Right, and I think every game that I want to play of this will involve Dark Martin, Mountain and... Dark Martin? Dark Martin. <laughs> Doc Martens. <laughs> I was thinking like Dark Martian. Dark Mountains and, and the Valhalla expansion for those very reasons. I, I just think it adds so many cool aspects of it when you can use the uh, the extra the mountain space to gain archer dice. And, you know, you, you also have three different types of dice when you add in those two different expansions. Yeah, it adds more di- different and dice. And the leader dice. So it's actually four different types the of dice. The leader dice was really cool. Fantastic. I, I, especially when I rolled it fantastic. Like yeah, and, and the way I understand that is that the, the way the leader dice is... The reason why it was put in there is was to kind of balance out those player powers a little bit more. So you might have a player power that doesn't seem as strong, but then you add the leader die, and it could be much better. Yeah. And so I think you're more apt to take any of the different combinations than just hone in on wanting to have one of those, I think. I agree, and I like that. What about Raiders? Can I just mention something about the Champions game? No. It's funny and very thematic that the game John's talking about... When I when I was went to go fight that monster at the end of the game, I kept rerolling and, and whiffing. It was totally my pride that lost that game. Like how more yeah, I w- he would have won the game more thematic in that game. But I was just like I'm determined to beat this monster, and I did not. And I wasted five. And it cost him the game. I won. Oh yeah, that. it did. It it cost me the game, but it was worth it. Now let's go on to <laughs> totally worth Raiders it. of the North Sea. The thing I like about Raiders is that. The worker placement is very unique. It's not just putting out workers on the board, but you're putting out a worker and then you're removing a worker and taking that action. And so the thoughtfulness that goes into that piece of it, of, of kind of planning ahead and what types of worker, the, that's the other thing, you have three different colored workers. Yep. And so as you move farther up in, further out into the sea, when you get to the fortress, you have to have the white workers, which are the, the rarest of all the workers. You have to have those to be able to go up there. So you have to really think through how you're going to place your workers, which is really, I think, cool and very unique compared to most other sure. worker placements. You can forget. I've, every time I play the game, someone messes that up and forgets, though. Like, they forget, oh, wait, I have to have a white worker to go out to the yeah. fortress. or You know what I mean? Or I went to this position on the board. Oh, no, I don't have the right worker for that. So that's that's. I wouldn't say that's 
negative, but that does happen in the game. It does. But to me, it's clear. It's clearly marked on the it's board. It's clearly. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't understand. I'm not sure why. I guess it depends on what you view as weight or complexity. I feel like there's a ton of more decisions because of that. It's more complex than champions. I think so too. And it, it, we we're I guess mostly we're comparing the games with both expansions. So when you're looking at yeah. when you're looking at Raiders of the North Sea, there's also uh, there's two expansions for that. There's the Hall of Heroes, and then there's also the uh, just totally uh, Fields of Fame. Yeah. Um, and w- so that's what we're comparing is everything included in these games because for us we feel like that's really the way to play. Hall of Heroes adds these. Uh, uh, I, uh, not, I'm, I'm sorry. Fields of Fame adds the the Yarls that you're trying to take out. Hall of Heroes adds these a different way to gain cards and adding these Mead tokens that you add to the battle. But what I think is that when you compare these games with everything included, Raiders is actually a pretty thinky game. Yeah. Because the strategy is is there's there's a lot more strategy in figuring out like everything that I need. To go to this spot to be able to, you know, to, to uh, pillage that land or whatever it is. There's there's the regular victory point track. I think there's five different tracks that are moving at the same time whenever you add all of the expansions with raiders. There are. There's five different tracks. Meaning there's a ton of way to score points. You can score victory points by letting your guys die. You can score victory points by fighting the Jarls. You can score victory points by raising your military or your armor strength. You can score victory points by getting, with the Hall of Heroes, the the, the tiles that are left behind after you raid. So there's 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 so much. And I, and I also want to mention this too, is that Champions of Midgard base game, I could care less to play it. I, it's, 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 I, let me rephrase that. Care less is not the right word. It's not that exciting for me. Raiders of the North Sea, without the expansions, it feels like it's almost fantastic. Like that's uh, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Like, without expansions, Raiders of the North Sea feels like a game. I like it because it's easy to teach. I've taught at people who don't play that many games because it's not that challenging to teach. But it feels like you're just purely racing to go get the provisions, and just it seems very one, mostly one dimensional. Without yeah. the expansions, yeah. Uh-huh. Of course, you could kill folks, and you could you know lose some people to go up that to go up the um, Valhalla track or whatever the Valkyrie track. But it feels pretty one. So so I like Raiders of the North Sea in a base game for teaching new people. But it seems to I, I just I just go man, a few more things added to it could really help. And then you add all of it when you add right, the expansions, right. you're like. That's this it. is what it should have been. Yeah. Now, I mean, maybe not. Some people might disagree, but for me personally, my taste, this is what it should have been, and I feel the same way for Champions of Midgard. Yeah, I like I I do like especially with Raiders that that it does add it in the expansion format. I think if it's you're playing for the first time, it can be really overwhelming all those tracks that you're talking about, right? Adding adding the Jarls can be a lot, you know. And you might just completely, well, you can't completely avoid them because you have to take those those Jarl yeah. tokens at some point. But you might want to stay away from it if you can help it. But there's just a lot going on in that aspect. So I think it's neat how it kind of ramps up to add those different expansions where it's not overwhelming. But then when you add everything, it does feel just so complete, like you said. Uh, it does. With both of these games. Champions is the exact same way. Um, we're gonna. I want to move a little bit backwards on this. We haven't talked about art and components for either one of these. What gets the edge for you for art and components, John? Raiders. I have no doubt. On, like, both, it's, on both aspects, both art and components? Um, ooh, let me think about the um, art raiders because I just, 
I like the I just love the art on, on Raiders on Architects I love all that I, I mean the Champions of Midgard art that's not a shot against it it's it's cool it's fine I just like the style um, you know the components in art are pretty good on both games though really I think the art's great on both games yeah. I would give the edge to Raiders too as far as art goes because I, I tend to gravitate more towards that cartoony style yeah I like uh, it components are both fantastic as They're well I think I might give the edge to Champions with that just because it has chunky dice and there's they're, they're custom dice, and there's lots of different types of custom dice when you add in everything. So I do like the um, coins in Raiders, which yes. I wish they would have done that in those Architects, are, in their base game Architect. Those, those are, are the some, best coins. They're awesome. They're my favorite coins in any game. I, I know. Think. I think they're so. They're so cool. They're, fu- they're really cool. So I do like that, but yeah, you're right. Um, And even like the Victory Point trackers on Champions is cool. It has that like Viking helmet and stuff. So I like that better than just a little thing on Raiders, but... Anyway, I give the edge to Raiders because I like the art better. All right. Now, let's do the actual showdown. What is the better game for you, John? It's There's no question for me which game I like better. I enjoy Champions of Midgard. I think it's a fun game. It's a dice-chucking game. There is some strategy that's involved. Um, there are people. It's, it's mm, more thematic, Maybe. Um, I you, think that both uh, games are thematic. You think Raiders is more thematic? No, no, no. Champions. I'm sorry. I'm talk- you th- he's uh, so... You don't think it's... I'm sorry. I heard I heard Raiders. I But I think... See, I told you he's just I like think both wife. of them are thematic, but I... Yeah, I would... I'm sorry. I totally agree with you on that. Both I think are thematic, thematic, but I think Champions could be a little more because you are... You get... The battle is not just... It just feels because you're sending different types of, of Viking dice out, yeah. right? The mm-hmm. archers versus the dudes with the axes. In Raiders, you're rolling two red dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not even every time. Um, so I, I do like that about Champions. Champions, with without the expansions, again, it's a it's a mad game for me. With all the expansions, particularly with Valhalla, but with all the expansions, it's a good game. Raiders just is more thinky, and it, it, it satisfies, it scratches the itch of... I just like the decisions. I mean, simply, I like the decisions I'm making in Raiders better than in Champions of Midgard. Yeah. I mean, I do. So it gets the easy, I like Raiders better, no doubt. Okay. I I definitely like Champions better, but I also think that... I was talking to, to somebody else about this recently, and I think that situationally I might want to play Raiders... You know, I might be in the mood to play a thinkier game and want to play Raiders, sure. but then uh, most days I think I would rather play Champions because of the the thematic nature of it. It's kind of cool rolling the dice, but it's not like it's not like a dice chucker in the sense of like everything is dependent on getting this roll because there's ways to mitigate Correct. the rolls, and then with the expansion you can spend the tokens and all that good stuff that we talked about already. But I agree with you, but opposite. I can see myself way more wanting to play Raiders all the time. But then, remember when we had the game night uh, at church like a year or so ago? And right, remember right. the Remember our buddy Brandon who doesn't play very many games? Yeah, yeah. He jumped right in. That's right. And it was, it, Champions is so thematic, just a much more simple worker placement than uh-huh. what Dean was talking about. So yeah, there's definitely places where I would go, especially people that like Lord of the Rings and love this fantasy. You know, I mean, I know that it's, it's Viking, but I just, I just like that realm. It's super thematic, and I would definitely see myself pulling it out to play that. But I will say, for me personally, I'm, I'm not going to go buy Champions of Midgard. It's 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 fun, I, but I really, really like Raiders. Yeah, so with with Champions, I think the reason, you know, I talked about Raiders feeling like a, a, a complete game whenever you add in the expansions. With Champions, I think the expansions add so much more stuff 
in a really really good way. Like the leader die is such a cool aspect. Yeah, of I like it. that. When you when you add in Valhalla, that is a game changer, right? It just bumps up the the your score by points. You know, I mean, like it's a huge huge great thing about that game. Then you add Dark Mountain, which is cool because then you add these new dice that make hunting more of a, a viable option. And I just I really really think that the expansions just bump this game up so high for me. John and I talked about, I think we talked about this, that with both of these games, I don't think there is expansions in any other game that change my rating as much as what these two games do. I just think that the expansions for these games are really must in the long term if you want to play these games lots of times. They are More a, than any other game that I can think of. Yeah, the, the, uh, let, me, I'll, let me be completely transparent. Um, whenever I rate these games, this is these are the two most for me, games that bump up the most based on the expansions. Like, I think I've got Champions and Midgard, and I know we're not doing ratings, you don't have 2D, I'm not throwing you in, but I just want to let people know, like, I've got Champions about like a six and a half, and then more like a seven and a half, potentially eight, probably it's a seven and a half. A seven and a half for me, just because of the expansions, which is huge to bump up that much. Raiders is a seven and a half, and goes all the way up to a nine is how much I like it with the expansions. Wow. So it's these two games, I don't think, like Dean was saying, like no other games almost, I feel like it's almost necessary for me to enjoy it, to play those. To uh, I'll, I'll play Raiders without the expansions, but mostly with newer people to gaming. Sure, yeah. Or if I just want to have a, a feel like a lighter, just let's go raid and have fun or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I... Well, yeah. this I, I would say, looking at the showdown overall, for me, this is a, a really, really tough choice. Not as not as close as Imperial Settlers to to Everdell. Um, I think for me, Champions is the clear winner. But I really, really like Raiders as well. Um, for John, um, he likes Raiders quite a bit more, but still really enjoys. Oh, I like Champions and Mega. Like Champions. I said, I'm not gonna. The reason I'm not gonna go buy it is because it's about a seven and a half for me. And if I have to go buy all the expansions, it's kind of an expensive game sure. for me to to like. But not really like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so. But I, if someone wants to play champions with all the things, I've ne- I don't I don't turn down games with that. Yeah. Yeah. Both very fun games. I I recommend playing both of these. Honestly, go check them out. See see if you like them for yourself. But that's gonna do it for this episode. John, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with us? All right. You can uh, sub us on YouTube if you want to. Just look up Meeple Town Games. I mentioned that because Dean said we're gonna have a caravan video. Uh, we we're gonna actually have a pipeline video as well, which we just um. Uh, which we just recorded yesterday, so I've got to get that out. And, of course, we just reviewed here. But if you want to see some actual gameplay, um, we're going to do Carpe DM, I believe, next week as well. So we're going to have several videos coming out. So sub and then click the notifications button so that you know uh, whenever those videos come out. If you're interested in seeing those, we're on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Meepletown Games, Board Game Geek Guild 3407. Mic drop. That's right. And that is episode 18 in the books. Thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Town.